What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to The Rule of Three, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson, as we try to give you as close to an analytical meets film podcast about your Chicago Bears. And it's awfully neat that we have Danny around, because while Brandon and I are really awesome with X's and O's, Brandon's more of a draft nick than I am, Danny would call himself a draft nick, and that's exactly what we need here two weeks before the draft. Kind of hard to believe we're so close, isn't it, Danny? Uh, it is. It's it's uh, one of those things like you don't realize how much time escapes you, and then you realize you're, like me, something like 265 or 280 prospects deep on film, and you're just like, oh, where'd the time go? Because, you know, I work full-time, I'm engaged, I'm planning a wedding, all this fun stuff, so you don't realize how quickly it sneaks up on you, especially when you factor in We've got a little show under the uh, WCG umbrella and the Rule of Three umbrella, I guess. So it's an umbrella within an umbrella where myself and WCG's uh, Jacob and Fonte are doing the Lunch Pail Draft Cast, and we're now two episodes deep on that. So you don't realize how quickly the time gets to you. And thank goodness you are, because I feel like it's easy for us to end up talking all up and down about for the first round. And <laughs> just a just a hint. We're going to spend some time talking about the first round here today. But it's those those fourth through seventh rounds that I do feel like ultimately create the body of the draft. Like without those picks, you don't know what the draft looks like. And the whole draft is not up at the top. And a lot of the value comes in those later picks. So thank you for teaching me about guys like Liam Eikenberg. Because truly, I'm not even that far down the draft chain, let alone some of the other guys on episode two that I, I personally have yet to get to. But it's on my list. Brandon, how are you feeling about the draft? I'm excited. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm I'm not as big of a draft nick as I used to be like like Danny is now, but I mean, it's honestly probably one of my favorite days of the year. I mean, there's there's just so much excitement. Yeah, it it, yeah. it, re- it really, really is. It's it's Christmas. <laughs> Sometimes you open it up and it's like the crappy pair of socks your aunt gave you, and other times you open it up and it's the brand new Batmobile you wanted when you were five. You know, it's great. But hey, if there's any truth about draft day, it's that you can't lose games on draft night. Or at least you can pretend like you didn't. Plenty of teams do, though, unfortunately. And but the if- one thing bef- okay, the one thing I wanted to give a disclaimer on before we really get rolling is there's no such thing as a sure thing. <laughs> right. You, you can be a draft Nick, an, an, an armchair analyst, as I kind of mockingly call myself. It doesn't matter how much film you watch or how much you like sports or football in general or the draft process. You get there, you can swear there's a guy up and down who can't miss, and then all of a sudden he gets to the league and he can't play dead. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of it. So don't kill the messengers. We're taking – it's an art, not a science, is, a be- is the best way I can describe it. Right. And if there's one thing that I personally think – you talk about sure things, and I don't think that there's any better position to illustrate that on than quarterback, where – There is, I mean, every single year, there's always the players that people want to say is basically an automatic bust, like Justin Herbert last year, who was basically declared dead on arrival, like about this time last year. And of course, there are sure things like Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, guys that 
absolutely everybody agrees are going to be phenomenal, even though maybe they have more holes than it looks like. What I think is most interesting, now that we're two weeks away, this podcast is very pro Bears getting a quarterback. I think we can agree with that, right? That the Bears need a quarterback, whether this year, next year, however they can get it. We were all over the Russell Wilson thing. If that could have happened, we would have been over the moon. But here sitting two weeks in front of the draft, Danny, Brandon, I want to tell Bears fans that there's no chance the Bears land up or land a good quarterback in some kind of trade up. But when I look at this board, especially if San Francisco does the unthinkable and takes Mac Jones at number three, a trade up with a team like Carolina that just got Sam Darnold likely once a year to evaluate it. And with the Bears, the incredibly difficult schedule, that could be a team that might very well covet the Bears 2022 first rounder that even with a Justin Fields, a Trey Lance on the team could be very, very high up and offer Carolina the 2022 quarterback reset that they may very well need. That far down the board, when you're talking Trevor Lawrence goes one, Zach Wilson goes two, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields go three, but then you've got four with Atlanta. I don't actually think they want to trade back. I don't know about you guys. It seems to me they want to take a weapon for Matt Ryan. Number five, Cincinnati wants an offensive lineman. Number six, Miami. I think they want an offensive weapon for Tua Tugavailoa. And now we're down to the weird part. We've got three quarterbacks off the board, two teams, Carolina and Detroit, that honestly might not take a quarterback because both made a big quarterback acquisition of their own. And that kind of opens the door for the gambling man that is Ryan Pace to make his way up. Do you guys think I'm being overly optimistic, off my rocker, or do I actually have something here? Not at all. I mean, there's studs at the top of the draft, which is very, very important. Like, it would be great if these teams would trade back. I'm sure their fan base would love to trade back. But when you're sitting there with Penny Soul, Kyle Pitts, and Jamar Chase, like it, it's hard to just pass up on those players just to get extra picks. Because he, Danny just talked about how there isn't a sure thing. But – those players are as close to a sure thing as you it's get. It's the best bet you got, yeah. Like, and it's one of those things, Robert, like, especially for me, I, I mean, I make no bones about how I feel about certain guys. Justin Fields, if you have a crack at him, like, especially at that, that Carolina pick, if you can get him to take your 20, 20th pick, the third round of this year, and a first rounder in 2022, I think you do it. I think Fields is special and is becoming a victim of paralysis by overanalysis, where people are choosing to not focus on what he's done well and choosing rather to focus on three bad games, which obviously don't act like the games don't exist, but why throw out every piece of good tape that he put up for two years for three or four games? I don't know. It baffles me. It makes me wonder if there's something going on on the back end, like something with his personality that's truly problematic, but and I'm going to sound like a huge cornball for saying this, the fact that we have as much footage of him living his life on that show QB1 that they do in high school means that we actually have a little bit more information, sure, it's through the lens of a camera, on fields than we do about some other guys. We don't just get to believe reports because we've got all kinds of different ways to try to evaluate his character. I find this field slide really weird. 
I think his tape is phenomenal. Sure, I would tell you straight up, I think he's ever so slightly slow in terms of some of his processing, but I can't tell whether that's the Ohio State coaches telling him, hang on to your first read. You're throwing to some of the best wide receivers in the country. They will get there versus things like, you know, just not knowing how to move off of it. That's the gamble you take with a lot of these guys. But if the Bears could get up to that number eight spot and reset their franchise, I think it works for Pace, it works for Nagy, and it works for us Bears fans because it gives us a little bit of direction with a very good player, you know? So kind of to answer your initial question, though, I don't think you're off your rocker. I don't think it's wildly likely either because, you know, we as fans, especially, you know, when you're in need of such a, let's call it the most important position in sports because really that's what it is. Like, you tend to try to make ways in your head of having it happen, you know? But there's other quarterback-needy teams. There's other teams that can potentially offer a slightly better package unless the Bears are willing to give more than what the the asking price is. So I think you might – I think the answer is you might have something, but it takes – A, it takes two to tango, and B, you got to factor in the 31 other teams that are in the NFL or call it 20 – 29 because you're taking right. 28 because you're taking three of them off the board right now right and thankfully before i pass things off to brandon one thing i will say danny and to anybody who listens to this show is that if you do want to go through and try to guesstimate what trade packages would be like to get up to number seven number eight danny and i actually had an offline conversation before the show started about how accurate are these trade charts and the weird thing is if you take into account that you got to remember If you go a year in the future, you dock that pick around. So a future two is treated like a mid-round three. A future future two is treated like a mid-round four. If you go by that math, almost all these trade charts actually match up. The San Francisco 49ers only gave about 5% more on the Rich Hill chart than, uh, than number three is valued at. So actually, a lot of these trade charts, like if Pace got held for ransom, He'd still only give up, let's say, number twenty, a future two or a future one, this year's three, and like next year's fourth or something like that. That would be considered a fleecing according to these draft charts. And for somebody that could potentially reset your franchise, that's not that's not that expensive. And that's where this conversation, like you said, it's unlikely, but it could happen. And a lot of it sits on uh Honestly, a lot of it sits on Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's shoulders because I wouldn't trade up for Mac Jones. I think Jones might very well be a good quarterback in this league, but he's not somebody that I want to give up two first-round picks to take, but that's just my personal opinion. I'd trade up for Lance. I'd trade up for Fields. I don't think I'd make the move for Jones, and I would let the chips fall where they may, which is an option Bears fans have to accept, especially if Davis Mills goes in the late first, which – some people are talking about, but who knows? Brandon, what are you saying? I don't know. I, I'm i pretty optimistic just because say Mac Jones actually goes third and you get three non-quarterbacks in a row. I mean, you have two blue-chip prospects that they don't even have to trade up. They don't, they don't even have to trade to eight. They could trade to nine. They could trade to ten and still possibly get one of those guys. Like, it's not like you're, there's just one shot. Like, there's two other quarterbacks that are very, very good. And it's just people seem to think that, I don't know, as soon as one of them soon as one, of, one of them is gone, they're just dead in the water. I think things get really interesting if Trey Lance ends up going third because then who knows where Mac Jones goes because apparently so, 
Carolina apparently loved him, but they just traded for Darnold, so they would it'd be a hard position to put themselves in. So it, it would be really interesting, honestly. And one thing that I, you, Danny, go ahead. No, I was going to say I agree. It is interesting. The problem that I that lies for me is then then you get into a certain point where what is the plan of the team one slot ahead of the Bears? who's actually got the young ascending defense that was causing havoc at the end of the season and happens to only need really one position to go with a wide receiver. And all of a sudden you're probably looking at something and that's Washington. And we could theoretically, you know, the it's not my comp. So don't, again, don't shoot the messenger. A lot of people like to akin Trey Lance to Cam Newton who coaches Washington. Ron Rivera went to a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. These things all start to add up, and who's to say Washington won't try to get up to four or five? Not that I think that, again, takes two to tango for everybody, but I think the two things that kill this, because I actually think, and Brandon I think would probably agree with me on this, Trey Lance is perfect for Kyle Shanahan in terms of that offense and what they want to do. <laughs> and then it, the, the offense that they run in, in Washington, if Trey Lance goes there and someone and they get up to four or five, if Trey Lance goes three, you're screwed. This has to be for Mac Jones. If this is if, in, in the perfect world, if Washington gets up to four somehow or five both ahead of the Bears and gets Trey Lance, again, you're screwed. Because then then there's going to be someone else trying to go get up for for, uh, for, for, for the last ones. Yeah, so it's it, it just doesn't bode well and I'm still I know the reports and the cool and the, the cool thing to say is Mac Jones to San Francisco I don't necessarily buy it yet because you're talking to someone I was like Mac Jones fan number one like I was the one of the first people saying he's going in the first round if nothing else because of his brain and then he started going top 15 top 10 now he's top three really when did when did the brain become the the, the, the tangibles like his best asset is his intangible. Everything else, I mean, his arms, eh. His he's got good mechanics and footwork and stuff because he has to. But there's just too many questions about the physical to really warrant him going that high. Versus Trey Lance, and then we're talking about his work ethic and and physical tools out the out the wazoo, for lack of a better term. I mean, I I just have a hard time buying that this Mac Jones thing is just a certainty. Well, you know, it's funny, Danny. I'm not about to tell you it's a certainty. I don't know. I'm just talking at this point. No, I don't think anyone does. I'm rationalizing myself. Right. Well, what makes it (laughs) weird is I I like to think of – or I like to liken this situation to Seattle's drafts of the past, right? If somebody else had drafted for the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks would look very, very different than they do today if somebody else had been drafting them for the last five years because some of Schneider and Carroll's uh, personnel selections, not all of them bad, have been puzzling, let's just say. And they certainly tend to trade up. I remember, what was it, last year they traded up in the first for a linebacker. Like, they've made some very unusual selections. In this case... The guy you're betting on, if it comes down to this idea of San Francisco taking Mac Jones, it would be Kyle Shanahan prioritizing that cerebral nature that Mac Jones displays on his film over literally anything else. It would be Kyle Shanahan saying, I'm smarter than every other quarterback evaluator in the room. I know Justin Fields is a ball of talent. I know Trey Lance is a ball of talent. 
but I want the guy who ran that offense with Steve Sarkeesian. And weirdly enough, mm-hmm. when you look back at his draft record, where he did so much with Jimmy Garoppolo, probably feels like if he just had a little brainier quarterback, he could have won that Super Bowl. He would have had that thing. And the fact that he traded up for C.J. Beathard just to make sure he didn't have to wait to get that guy because he said he processed the game better than anybody else in the draft, it's, it's a dot that's just not unrealistic to connect. And it's very weird because I think that that would be it's one not. of the strangest – it's, it's weird in the sense of I think drafting Jones over Fields and Lance would be nuts. I think that would be something Jones would have a lot to prove if that happens. But it's – it's not that crazy because that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. Especially when you factor in, they always say Shanahan wants to essentially have himself on the field. So you need that brain. So I get the connection. I'm just not saying I fully buy it. Especially because I don't think Trey Lance or Justin Fields are dumb. They just are more raw. Right. But that's neither here nor No, there. I get you. I'm, I wouldn't tell any Bears fan to buy stock in Jones going at three just yet, but I'm definitely going to be staring hard at that pick, burning holes through my screen, waiting for San Fran to come through with that. Because if Jones goes at three and Lance and Fields are both falling down the draft board, the door is open. That's all I'm saying here is that if the Bears want that solution at quarterback, because to pivot in the other direction here real fast, because I could keep talking about this for a while, what scares me, Danny, is that I think the drop-off between Mac Jones and Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask is a big one. I think it's almost so (laughs) big that the scary thing is you're going to have to overdraft any of them depending on where they probably, quote-unquote, should be. I don't know what your personal grades are. There are actually some players that I've watched a fair amount of. I would take Mond in the third, probably Mills in the third, and Trask in the later third if you made me, but I'd probably push him to the fourth if I was really going to pick where their value is. That said, Mills may be the late first, early second, honestly, like mid-second at latest. Mond probably doesn't go far after him because quarterbacks are scarce, quantities and more than five teams need one so you're when it comes to the next best guy after mac jones trey lance justin fields whoever goes fifth somebody's getting selected and i don't really like the situation that puts the bears in because that means they'd have to spend a second rounder on kellen mond would they have to trade up to get their guy Ugh, i don't know about that i feel like that hurts the team more than it helps it yeah, how do you feel about that, Brandon? That cost, that that prospect. I don't. I I think it it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I I love the idea of taking a quarterback that isn't in the first round, but like why does it have to be? Why does it have to be so high? Why can't you just wait? If you're taking if you're taking guy after the first round, you know that he's a project. Why does that have that project have to be in the second round? I I don't think any of these other second tier guys show you anything that would make you gamble that high. I think the the uh, prevailing wisdom is two-pronged. One, it's kind of like the, let's just compare it to the 70-win teams in the NBA, like the 73-9 Warriors. doesn't mean a thing without the ring, right? So no one cares about how good your roster is because unless you got the quarterback. So that inherently pushes guys. You're seeing it with a guy, like I said, I admitted I'd like in Mac Jones. Mac Jones is not a top five talent in this draft. He's not a top 15 talent in this draft. 
I've got him as like the, I think the 26th best player, but by virtue of being a quarterback, he gets pushed up. I have a late three on Kellen Mond and he's being talked about in, in like the 52nd or 46th pick. If the bears were able to trade up or something like that, like, come on. But that's just the nature of it with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get pushed up the board. And then you factor in, we've heard, we've seen the glowing remarks from Mond regarding the Bears on these very timelines of Twitter. And then you factor in, what does Pace do? Pace goes and gets his guy. If he's the best of his tier two, called tier two quarterback prospects, that's who he's going to go get. That's what he does. And I mean, let's be honest, Danny, the scariest part about it, Brandon, I'm sure you'd echo this, is that if there's if there's one thing that'll get Pace fired almost on the plane ride home, it's coming away from this draft without a quarterback. I mean, somebody, right? He's got to be able, he's got to draft, I mean, even if it's Felipe <laughs> Franks in the sixth round. But that's what I was going to say. Wouldn't it be, you'd be better served taking the lotto ticket in the sixth round than taking a guy like Mond in the, in, at 42, especially given everything else you need? Like, I just don't get it. Like if you, if if you're taking Mond with your third round pick, that makes a lot more sense to me. It does. Sure. But but taking him at fifty two just screams desperation. I, Especially when you you watch me, he's not he's not a second round player. I also think that you could have said that the Bears had to take a quarterback last year. Like they were in the same spot. Yes. They could have taken Hertz. They decide to pass on him, and Hertz is. Was a way better prospect than Davis than, Mills, than Kellen Mond, any any of these guys. Like far and away, it's not even it's not even close. So I mean, if they're, mm-hmm. it would be a complete misevaluation on their part. Which I, I'm I don't know. It just seems like everybody just assumes the worst case, and that would be the worst case because I don't even the, these guys are being pushed up, like pushed up in quotations. Because media guys talk about it, but that doesn't mean that they're going to go that high. And that's a good point, right? You talked for a while last year about, actually, like you've been on this for, I think, longer than anybody I know, that NFL guys almost assuredly value Lance higher than anybody else that's putting out mock drafts does because they see what talent he, or like they see his tools, they project him differently. It's much more, I would almost call it an NBA projection. Like you're projecting an incredibly young player and where he will be rather than the normal NFL junior to senior. He's, he's going to go right in the league. And I kind of know what he looks like sort of projection, but media guys end up in, like you talked about a, and let's call it an unusual situation where once you get out of the top five, somebody, gets a whole lot of likes and retweets for finding that diamond in the rough guy. Right now, I kind of feel like Davis Mills is wearing that crown, right? He's got the NFL size. He looks like a potential NFL starter. and I He's mean a tall very... white guy with a better than average arm. Well, I was going to say, I mean is. that literally, right? Where it's like, right. I don't think Davis Mills has the processing capability that, uh, that Mac Jones does, or at least he hasn't displayed it. I think his injury issues are real red flags. I don't think he's that athletic but he kind of looks like Eli Manning, you know? He kind of looks like the guys you've been watching on Sundays for eons. So he comes up the board. I guess I I think you're just better served at this, especially in this NFL's age. Like, and again, I, I understand prototypical pocket passing will always have a place in this league. But if you're taking a gamble, 
why are you taking the tall white guy that can't move? At least take a gamble on the on the athlete. Like, it's such a misconception that, oh, he's an athletic quarterback. And I mean that as white, black, or otherwise. If you're an athletic quarterback, you're inherently dumb. If you're a pocket passer, you're inherently smart. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Yep. Trey Lance, by all accounts, is one of the smartest kids you'll ever want to meet. I think he's got work to do, but he's he, everyone raves about his work ethic and how he is in the film room. It's And, and you listen to him speak. Like, it's not like Mitchell Trubisky when you're watching him on John Gruden's quarterback camp where you're like, does this guy have a thought? Like, it's it's just completely different things. And I don't understand why the draft community is so slow. Like, especially older draft heads, like, they tend to want to push up guys like Kyle Trask, where Kyle Trask can't move. He's got an eh arm, and he's tall. Ugh. Being You're being like, really nice saying he has an eh arm. Like, if from an NFL yeah, and- capability – he can't throw a bullet pass. He or either that or he doesn't. And right, but I'm, I'm just trying to spit, spitball here. And I, I'm just saying, I feel like Davis Mills is the consummate because I've seen it on the timeline. The guy that if he would have gone back for that one more year, would have pushed himself into the top ten. You don't know that. Like, he might have gone back to Stanford and sucked. The Barkley thing, like Barkley was a right. uh, was known exactly. as a, a number one pick overall. And then he went back for a year and did not get picked number like, one overall. The, the other thing is, do you think maybe he has a good enough agent that told him, like, after the first five guys, there's really not a guy worth taking? So if maybe. you go now and you show how good your arm is and that you're not a crap athlete, you're an eh athlete, you might get pushed up the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just something to, worth noting, and I don't personally get it. I know some people, including guys I respect, really like really like Davis Mills. I'm not one of them. I, I wouldn't take him higher than the fourth round. What about you, Brandon? I just don't – I don't see anything from him. He doesn't like, – he's he not – He threw seven touchdowns this year. Yeah, I just I, – I don't, I don't even understand – the thought of him as I don't even consider him really as like a prospect. He's just a guy. Like he's just like anybody else. Like he doesn't have NFL attributes that make like, Oh, if he develops this and that he'll eventually become a backup. Like he's not even at that level. I can't even see him as a backup. Really. He's just, he just, it's, he's, he's going to be a waste of a physical tools. I, I don't, I don't, I, I would be shocked if he goes in the second round because I don't know what, an NFL team would be betting on with him at all. It could very well be. It's, it's, I mean, I'll tell you, it's the fact that he's not a bad athlete. He's got a good arm and he's tall. And he, and believe it or not, Stanford's offense is very pro friendly. When you get there, the verbiage, the sets, everything they're doing used to be is, well, used to be, but you can, you can plug him into an NFL quarterback room and he's not going to look like a deer in headlights. In and I'm theory. not trying to catch you on a ticky-tack there, Danny. I just find it funny because a lot of people have talked about how Mac Jones run, you know, the whole pro-style offense, not yeah. pro-style offense. Pro-style offenses nowadays are very weird because well, some – Well, it's everything's got spread built in because right. of what these quarterbacks can't do. I would say of... Mac Jones did run a pro-style offense. It just doesn't look anything like your old-school pro-style offense. Does See, I would, say, I would say the exact opposite. Please tell because me. Because they, they run the most spready offense. And what I would consider pro-style right now would be Shanahan's offense because that's what a majority of teams – like not a majority of teams, but if there's one offense that teams are running the most of, it is Shanahan's offense. 
And I would argue that's because you're taking the thinking out of playing quarterback. It's cutting the field in half and handing the ball off. I was going to say, right, but that's Brandon. what that's what offense. No, I'm not. I'm is. not saying that's a. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, Brandon. I'm mm-hmm. simply saying that's what it is. Right. I'm because laughing he's... because the like I've watched so much Nagy Reed Peterson ball, and they like spreading the ball out sometimes to their detriment because it's no surprise mm-hmm. that Shanahan and McVeigh, those two names in particular, condense so many of their formations. And I've personally gotten obsessed with them this offseason. It's fun to watch people pack it in, put bunch on both sides with two receivers stacking each other and force DBs into uncomfortable situations where they kind of have to allow a free release in some settings just based on route packages. It's not hard to see why the offense is as popular as it is, but I haven't seen a whole lot of that like RPO read type stuff, Brandon, that goes in the exact opposite direction. And you know what? If you land in that setting, great. But one of the read guys just got fired. The other guy might be on his way out. That's Matt Nagy. And uh, Andy Reid has a quarterback. I think that's fair to say. So not and the thing is with Matt Nagy, the thing is with Matt Nagy is he's not even running the Reid offense anymore. He's he's switching to Shanahan's offense. Like he's developing that offense. That's why he brought in Andy Dalton because he couldn't run that offense it's with Nick Foles. The, it's, the, it's becoming the outside play action stuff, the outside zone play action. That's what it's becoming, because especially because of what they had to do for Mitch. Mitch couldn't make progressions. Mitch couldn't do things that he right. wanted to do. And you know, and you know it's funny because part of me wants to see take Dalton, right, who did a lot of West Coast stuff with Laser. And he's got – I wouldn't call it familiarity in the system because – especially because uh, that got thrown around with Nick Foles and it really burned me to that phrase. But <laughs> Andy Dalton could theoretically run the Reed system. Probably not well, but he could run it. That said, like you're talking about, Brandon, whether it's Mond, Davis Mills, or Justin Fields, the Shanahan system that they're running is extremely friendly to a rookie. It doesn't ask the world of your quarterback. And so you could install your rookie with or in that system, potentially even start him day one. That's not ridiculous, right? The, the other thing, I guess, to keep in mind for the, the, the case study, as it were, is that's what they were doing in L.A. for all those years with, with Goff, right? Now they've got a quarterback they can spread him out with who can read a field and make a progression and, and be an NFL quarterback. You know, we'll use air quotes with an NFL quarterback and be a big boy back there and make his own line checks and his own calls and whatnot and not have it spoon-fed to him. I'm interested to see what McVay's stuff looks like versus, you know, what what we saw with the Bears in the second half of last year and the Niners with Nick Mullins slinging the pill, you know? Whole new ball game now that they've got Matt Stafford. I'm very curious to see how that changes. But either way, I think we can all agree we would love to see a quarterback. I mean, I think we've covered that fairly well. Question becomes, so if they don't get a quarterback, I feel like we've actually talked about that one quite a bit too. So let's say, let me phrase the question this way. Whether it's at 20 or at 52, that first Bears pick, what, if they get a quarterback, maybe it's the only one if they're going to draft a quarterback with the second rounder. What position do you want to see it as? Brandon, what you got? What's so funny is I think it's the exact same conversation that the Bengals are in at five. Like, it's it's the exact same thing. Are they going to take a tackle or are they going to take a wide right. receiver? They're probably not going to – they're probably not going to take a corner. I People – a couple Bears fans keep talking about corner – but they got Trufant, and then they signed Artie Burns. I would say there's a less than 5% chance 
They'll take a corner, and I would love a corner. I would, I'd love it. I just don't see any you way that that defensive happens. guy. So I think it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's the exact same if, conversation. Especially if that corner doesn't practice run support. That's that's when it's in Brandon's wheelhouse. Yes, yes. <laughs> no tackling, but none. Be Deion Sanders. It is. And what's funny the best about corner that, of all Brandon? Time. Yeah, Brandon, just be the best corner of all time. I'm not asking much here. Brandon, that's what I think is so funny is you talk about Cincinnati. Frankly, it gives me an opportunity to just talk about that top part of the draft. What I always have to keep reminding myself, because I've heard this a lot, right? Atlanta, they're going to trade out, right? That number four pick is just way too valuable. That's the fourth quarterback. How could you pick there? Uh, I have a name for you. His name's Kyle Pitts. When you're that high in the draft, taking, uh, oh my goodness, somebody give me somebody at number nine. Um, When you're taking the Heisman, when you're taking – sure, that may feel pretty good. But it doesn't feel like it would if you took Kyle Pitts with Julio Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley on your roster. Trading back is helpful unless you lose one of those top cloud guys and fall into your next cloud. Because I always think about it kind of like tiers, right? Where it's like there's that five guys right at the top that are all incredible. Next guys are very, 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 very good. Next guys are still really good, but they're not those guys. You guys know what I'm talking about? And all those teams have to make that decision. And I don't think for Cincinnati, Brandon, it's worth it to trade back when they need a tackle that's just going to be that guy. They need that Joe Thomas-like guy. And I know we've only had one Joe Thomas, but that's kind of the point. If they're going to get a receiver, they need to be that Julio Jones kind of guy, that next A.J. Green guy. And all these guys only get one pick that, like, trading back. It may I mean, get you an extra second rounder, but does Des Bryant's clone interest you as Cincinnati? But that's my point, right, like, is when it comes to this Bears quarterback conversation, I don't think Cincinnati or Atlanta or Miami are going to move out of their picks because while they may be really valuable as those quarterbacks slide down the board, Jamar Chase – Penae Sewell, those guys are just something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I, I think of O line completely different. I like I don't I don't think you have to have that Joe Thomas guy. I think it's more important to not have that Rashad Cower guy than it is to have a Joe Thomas guy. I I think it's just more important to have five average guys versus just five studs. I think having five studs would be awesome. But if you have five average guys and you have three receivers that can get home and get open at any point. I think that's when your when your offense is really dangerous. I think it's I think it can go either way. Honestly, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. If you want to build out your offensive line and protect your quarterback and let your receivers get open, because the old adage is a great quarterback makes great receivers, not vice versa. Or you can do the other way. If you have a unit of five average to slightly above guys who just play together and learn the nuances of each other and how to play with each other, that can work just as well if you have great receivers. There's not a wrong way to do it. There's just wrong guys to pick. Like, it's just a hard thing to get to where do you take Jamar Chase? Do you take Devontae Smith? Do you take Penny Sewell? Or do you take Rayshon Slater? I don't think that there's a wrong pick for them. I mean, I wouldn't take Devontae Smith because I, you know, think he's gotten played to production. But I just think that they would be, they could be better served trading out because they have four options versus just, it's not one can't miss guy. It's funny you say that because. I don't think the the Bengals and the Bears are. I think they're in the same position, but I don't think the Bengals could take a bad pick. I can think of a lot of picks that I would be real pissed off if the Bears took. 
Like so oh, many I can, guys. I can too. So many I guys. Can too. It's, but it's different <laughs> when you're talking about 19 guys being gone versus five. So. <laughs> There's so many ways that this pick could make me really upset. Kadarius Tony, for one. But, yeah, you know. I 100% that is the guy that I am also <laughs> just so fearful of them taking. So fearful. Ugh. And he's a uh, fun player. No more. Not that guy. Did we want to take – we have a speaker request. Did we want to take him? Uh, at the moment, we're we're so close to wrapping up. We'll push things – or we'll push speaking conversations to like an after show just to make sure we don't muck okay. up the recording. But yeah. bear with me, and then we can throw somebody on. Huh, but He plugged his other podcast. Uh-huh. But see, I, I guess what I look at when it comes to this this whole Bears draft situation, as well as the draft situation in general, Brandon, I've kind of come around to where you're at, where it's more about having offensive linemen that just don't suck in general and that play well together, keep them consistent, play all five next to each other. The kind of line that Charles Leno, look, I wouldn't say it'd make him look good, but where he is the clear worst guy on the line, that line's going to be pretty good. You know, like one great offensive lineman doesn't make the difference that one great wide receiver does, even though we're kind of learning through data with PFF and others that you need up to three wide receivers to really succeed in the playoffs. Your option one starts to depreciate, especially as you start playing better defenses. Even so, I think a lot of the teams that are still kind of getting with it up in the top of the draft are going to see those offensive tackles and those wide receivers as just guys that they can't pass on. And that may push quarterbacks down the board. If they don't, I would love almost any of the offensive tackle prospects that I know Danny and Jacob have gone over. Like if it's Samuel Cosme, that's great. If, or like, I'm fine with that. If it's if somehow Christian Darasaw gets there, that's great news. If it's that's Devin Jenkins, if, that's if great news. If you're going to Darasaw's the guy. Like if, there if he t- falls. Exactly. Because I, I think he might get to, or he might get taken like 16th, 17th, so on and so forth. And if that's the case, any offensive tackle is going to be an improvement over Jermaine Fady, who I do not think passes the smell test at tackle. And that's just my opinion. Uh, as far as anything else, like if you if you told me that we could get Rondell Moore at 20, I'm happy. I certainly think that the Bears could use another one of those speed guys <sighs> to go with uh, to go with Darnell Mooney, who's more of an outside receiver, even though he has speed. And Allen Robinson, true outside guy. But I know that that's going to send Bears fans in a tizzy because they would rather have the big, strong wideout than the small guy where we I, have Mooney, Cohen, and Moore all on the same team. <laughs> and that okay, would be, so let, be fun. let me chime in on this, Ron. I am Rondell Moore Stan fan number one. That's my dude. I He's my favorite offensive player to watch in this draft. I if feel like coming. Him, but if you take him at 20, I'm firing pace in the spot. Ooh. Do not take him at number 20. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> he's 5'7", and he's not healthy. He's so much fun. He's he's lightning in a bottle. He's electric. He can do – and for the love of God, do not just make him a slot receiver or an outside receiver. He's – put him somewhere, get him the football. Screw it. You because can blame did... Brandon, Danny. Brandon convinced me we don't need another outside guy, and I I oh, get it. I get I that. agree. I agree. You don't need another outside guy because he can – but Rondale Moore is not – it's like Kyle Pitts I would not qualify as a tight end. He is weapon. Rondale Moore is weapon. Outside, inside, running back, kick returner, punt returner. Get him the football. I don't care how. Until he breaks because he's inevitably going to break. Just Bateman don't do what – would be another good choice. 
just don't do what Carolina did with Curtis Samuel and try to force him to do this thing only until right. Joe Brady got there. And then Joe Brady was like, hey, this guy's really fast with the ball in his hands. Give him the football. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what the Bears need in the offense. They need that guy that's that, that jet sweep guy, <laughs> that guy that can line up anywhere, that can get open very, very quickly, that guy that has all the speed in the world. I think that's exactly who they need. They need that mm-hmm. Cohen guy, but an actual receiver. And the ways that they could use him and Cohen – I think would be really, really lethal in this offense. And I agree, but not at 20. <laughs> if you want to go back to 25 and take him, sure. Why not? Pick up an extra fourth in the process. I don't care. He'd probably do get it like a 20. third. Dra- yeah. Draft trades of the first are weird. Like, a third yeah. could be a real good player, too. So, and that's what I'm saying. If Now, that being said, because of the crush I have on him, if they took him at 20, I would probably still be super happy. I would just kind of be like... Oh, he's going to pull his hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like health is always the big X factor here, right? It's like how all us Bears fans, I did this, assigned an A-plus grade to the Jalen Johnson selection saying, you know, obviously we hope, you know, he doesn't end up with another shoulder surgery, but it's a great pick because look at his film. And here he is. Uh, her <laughs> shoulder problems again. So, uh, who could have thought of this? Who? Who could have known? And so your your point about and soft I will, tissue issues I will also, and size. Size is a and big size. thing. So, and here's the big thing that I was going to get to in terms of something that worries me. Devontae Smith's weight worries me. He's not heavy enough. Rondale Moore, go look up five foot seven sub receivers in the NFL and tell me how good they are. Now, I, I grant you, I, I'm not saying he's a receiver. I'm saying use him in every as everything. But he will be drafted as a wide receiver the history of five seven sub drafted wide receivers is shall we say not is cool. tyree kill five seven is he tall than five seven he's five like he's like five eleven uh, what i think tyree he's kill's... i think he's five nine either way tyree... man every time i have this conversation i always feel like one of those old school football coaches arguing about inches right so oh, we were we were inches. he's done brandon and i hit the two he measured in at his pro day at five foot ten so Brandon okay. and I, I was one inch high. He was one inch low. He's five foot ten. He's zero. <laughs> yeah. But either way, I get what you mean. I mean, if you if you told me, the, the more that I stew on it, because like you're talking about, Moore's film is just explosive. It's fun to watch. But he is so such a next-door neighbor to Tariq Cohen that you are kind of getting two of the same players. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, I would no. love two, I would love two Julio Joneses. Those would be great. But uh, but when you look at somebody at number 20 like that, at least he, you want to be healthy, right? So it's a big bet if you take him at 20. And like you're saying, I think I could swallow that pill too, but it would be one of those like, ooh, Pace better know what he's doing. Ooh, this is well, it's the same out. thing as like, and that's why I think Brandon was saying he was so afraid of Tony because Tony, you keep seeing the Tyreek Hill comp because body type-wise, height-wise, they're kind of mirror images of each other. Tony's not long speed. Tony's in a box. He is two steps top speed, but he's not really running away from everyone. People are starting to catch him after he's at top speed. He's probably closer to four four eight than he is four three, four four five, four four six, something like that in that high five, mid to high four fours. And that is that fast? Absolutely. Is it Rondell Moore? Is it Tyreek Hill? Is it Curtis Samuel coming out of Ohio State? Hell no. That's kind of what I'm that's getting. The, and Kadarius Tony, I 
I, it just kind of scares me in that regard because everyone's like, he's Tyreek Hill. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> well, that's one thing about, for instance, the player that I always use to like kind of get Bears, Bears fans to see what you're talking about because you're right, Danny. There's a huge difference between that elite-level difference-making Tyreek Hill speed and very, very fast. And the truth is, like the really hard truth, is that most DBs in the NFL are really really fast and unless you're Tyreek Hill ridiculous fast you get caught I mean the perfect example is Tariq Cohen right where he is extremely fast and he's a very good runner and honestly he needs to use more of that running back vision than meets the eye because he can't beat a safety in a race and most of the time the safety whether they catch him or tie him it's closer than you'd think Everybody keeps looking for that next Tyree kill, and I agree with you that when it comes to Kadarius Tony in particular, I think that they're they're biting onto a dream, kind of like Riley Ridley. Oh, maybe he's close to Calvin Ridley uh, more so than they are looking at his film and getting what they want out of him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. I can see you have a thought. No, it's just I I, I actually haven't seen the Kadarius like I, I haven't seen that Tony the Hill comp, but it's just the. It's, Maybe I'm following the wrong people. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I think you are because th- this is the second time that I've heard something like you copping someone to somebody like from somebody else, and it's the first time I'm hearing it. It's like, well, I haven't seen it. You're copping well, him to literally the fastest player in the NFL. Brandon, those draft related draft Nick speakeasies where people they go where society doesn't go and they yeah, talk about don't, weird. Don't draft go to comps. the depths of Twitter <laughs> that I see. There was a guy who had Ashton Davis last year as the number two overall prospect in the draft. The, right. You know, there are – I'm not going to name drop. You know, they get can, weird down his own. Yeah, they get weird. Like, I tend to not try to outthink myself, but I have seen people with – specifically, there's one – I think they're playing Florida State or something like that. I can't remember who they're playing, but Canary Sony literally beats four defenders to the spot and takes off. He is in in short areas. He is very explosive. He's but a good player. There. He's a good player. He's a really good football player, but not a Tony. I feel like people can do that a lot, Danny. That's actually one thing that, as we close up the show right before final thoughts, I think is worth talking about a little bit. Is that sometimes when we're pushing people down a draft board and we're saying, "Don't take him there, please, don't take him there," it can make it sound like you don't want him at all. Like if Kadarius Tony gets picked at fifty-two, I'm excited. Like that's that's yeah. great. That's great value at 52, but I I just wouldn't take him at 20 because that's a very different player mold. Sometimes I think people can get too hung up on who is too high on a board and make it sound like they're a bad player. It's kind of like how I don't think Mac Jones is a bad player. I've seen a lot of people out there that want to make him out like he's bad. I actually think he's a lot better than you would expect out of his normal mold. He's that little bit more mobile than you think he is. He actually processes as well as he's reputed to process. He's surprisingly Mm -hmm. accurate, even if his arm isn't special, but it's also not like Kyle Trask bad, right? Mac Jones, even if he gets drafted at number three, that doesn't make him any worse a prospect than he is. It just puts him in the Trubisky box, right? Where it's like, okay, now you're the third pick in the draft. Like what your comp was, what your grades were, none of those matter anymore. You have to live up to being three first round picks of good. And that's different. In some players' eyes, or in some in the case of some players at 20, I certainly hope pace doesn't reach. I hope we go with the proven guy if that's what it comes to. 
But I don't think that guys like Tony, for instance, are bad football players just because they, they're not worth getting drafted up there. Just to talk mm-hmm. about Mac Jones one more time, I, I feel like people talk about his processing as if he's Drew Brees, and they talk about his athleticism as if he's Eli Manning right before he retired. Just a, like a complete <laughs> slug. Right. And neither, neither one of those things are at all true. And so he's just this mystical prospect that no one knows exactly what he's what he is, but it's either people want to just shit on him or just completely like say he's the perfect prospect for Shanahan's offense, which well, doesn't make any sense sense at all. Brandon, you've heard who Mac Jones keeps getting comped to, right? I think this tells the whole story. I think I'm missing out on that. What, what's the? I, I, I'm not hearing any of these comps. It's Brady. Okay, the, yeah. The, oh, like, he lost me. He lost I, the, I have lost not seen the Brady. Co- I'm so telling you, you my, my followers are my followers are bad. Yours are awful. No, I'm telling <laughs> you, Danny, that like my point in that is to is to fit exactly what you're saying, right? Where exactly like you mentioned, Brandon, people are acting like his his athleticism is that of a 43 year old man, and that his processing is that of one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. I mean, neither. Like, he has what seems to be surprising command of a surprisingly complicated offense in a very good defensive Is it it complicated? Full stop. Is it complicated? They run run more RPOs than anybody else. I I would not consider that complicated at all. On a lot of the pick-a-side plays, I was legitimately impressed with how quickly he could go from one side to the other, saying, nope, I don't want that, and just move on. Guys like Trubisky would need a second and a half to process it. He needed a glance. That's what I'm focusing on. But you're right. It's not a huge sample size, especially because he could have thrown with a blindfold and completed 35% of his passes because his receivers were so good. Maybe higher what than I, that. What I will say is I do find it strange how the offenses they ran in Alabama for two, for, from one quarterback to the other are not the same. What Tua was doing versus what Max is doing is not the same. But – I will also tell you, I have a higher grade on Mac than I did on Tua, but I also thought Tua was a, a product of hype, where every he came in and ran, won the national title as a, as a freshman, and everything kind of came into came to a head for him. And I think he that pushed him up boards. You know, they they get NFL teams are, aren't flawless; they all have different things. But I'm also the guy who had Herbert QB one, so kill me. Whatever. Just so the record shows, Danny hates Just, Tua. I hate Tua Tagovailoa. Dude, I do not want Polynesian quarterbacks in my NFL. Okay. Yeah, it's on record. Yep. All right. Tweet that out. Yeah, that's not – that is not at all tongue-in-cheek, guys. It's completely, completely true. No, um, but it's kind of like what you're saying in regards to everybody. You you know, you're seeing Mac Jones being compared to Brady. I saw Tony comp Tyree kill one. Tyree – Tony to me looks like Juju a little bit. That's kind of who I see, and that's fine. PFF comped Justin Fields to Cam Newton. Why? What? Like, what in the world? That uh, no. <laughs> but to kind of just touch, just kind of backtrack to Tony and his speed. To give you an idea of how hellaciously fast Tyreek Hill is, there's a screenplay where Damian Williams burns everybody, and he is pulling away from the crowd, and. Here comes Tyreek Hill, and he catches Damian Williams on a breakaway screen. And he actually has to slow down to let Williams score before Tyreek Hill 
crosses the goal line. Damian Williams is not just fast. Damian Williams is fast, fast. Tyreek Hill is otherworldly. He's an alien. He's a terrible human being, but he's an alien of a football player. Is that the one where they, like, high-fived on the goal line? Like, that was yeah. funny. <laughs> and, but I'm sure Brandon remembers the highlight, too. You literally see Tyreek have to slow up to let Damian cross the goal line to score before he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I... It's like... It's like the scene in Rocky where they're running on the beach, him and Apollo, mm-hmm. and because because Carl Weathers is a legitimate NFL football player who, before he turned actor, when they're running on the beach and Rocky finally beats him, and you actively see if you watch the scene, Carl Weathers is slowing up to let Rocky win. It's like, come on. Right. One of these things is not like the other. Either way. I think it's fair to say that 80s we pop have... pop culture reference. Right. Because uh, all of us were alive in the 80s, Danny. Come on. Uh, but... I wasn't even alive in the 80s, so... Yeah, yeah good point. Good point. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, I just like taking age jokes almost, when I get them. Almost. I have to. I have to reverse them. But so, TLDR, I mean, or at this point, to sum it all up, we've got one more week of rampant speculation before we have to put in our final actual suggestions. I think it's fair to say we're all on the offensive or we're on the offense train all on the, let's take a tackle or a wide receiver. But if you've got a shot at a quarterback, let's go for it. At this point, it's really just going to come down to what of this is smoke. And my final thought is that I don't understand why anybody would put out smoke about taking Mac Jones. Like, how does that benefit San Francisco at this point? I get that a lot of people have said that it seems like graduated dot connection, but I just, I don't know. At this point, when you've got Trey Lance and Justin Fields kind of acting like they have to prove something to Shanahan because it's almost like he's made up his mind, that I I think things are real. And if that pick happens, if Trevor Lawrence goes one, uh, Zach Wilson goes two, and Mac Jones goes three. The door is open for Pace to live out the dream he never thought he'd get to dream. And I, for one, would be okay with either of the other two quarterbacks on the board. And take Dallas Mond at eight. Definitely more so than Mills or Mond and overdrafting them. That's my final thought. What about yours, Brandon? Mine just is like. I, I know, I know the dot connections in him. It makes a whole lot of sense. It just. It was too many dots connecting at one single time to possibly be crazy. But at the same time, it seems like that building is split. And so it's just who gets their way? Does, does the front office get Trey Lance or does Shanahan get Matt Jones? That's, that, I think that's what it's really going to come down to. And I'm, while I'm saying that, I will, t- I will take the plus 400. I will bet that, tra- that Trey Lance gets, gets picked there because I'm not – not paying Mac Jones minus 200, and I'm definitely not even looking at Justin Fields, whatever he – plus money, like PFF keeps trying to push for God knows what reason. <laughs> I mean, I guess my final thoughts kind of mirror that of Brandon. Like, I'm more inclined to think that they're going to really take Lance just because the, the, the immense upside of the fit, it's hard to disagree with it. And, I mean, overall, if we're sticking to Bears, if you can go get Fields, do it. It's such a deep tackle class. I would rather Pace kind of do what is the antithesis of what he t- typically does. I would like him to trade back and get more picks because when he picks guys, they're good. Like, just give yourself more bites at the apple because you're too old and you're too expensive to not have young cost-controlled talent. 
maybe, and I know that's probably not what he's going to do because he needs to save his job, but it's just too tough to say otherwise. Yeah, I'm the person who basically stopped saying trade back only because I got tired of Pace not doing it. And so I stopped putting any of my heart in it. At this point, like you're talking about, it's a complicated water that they got to walk because uh, Pace needs his job. Pat and Matt Nagy needs something to like hang his hat on. And the Bears need to find a way to get that guy while also keeping the roster afloat. But that's another conversation for another time. As we wrap up this show, guys, it has been awesome hanging out with you. I'm Robert Schmitz. You can find my work on Windy City Gridiron, Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, and YouTube at Run Pass Opinion. Brandon, where can folks find you? You can find me at NFL on Twitter. And you can find Danny at, I believe it is D. Yeah, you can find you, I'm here. Yeah, there I'm you here. Are. Hey. Hey, I'm here. I had to okay. just decline a phone call. Uh, <laughs> I can be found at Dan Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N as in Nicholas, numbers 90 on the Twitter device. Twittering thing. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We would love to take questions once recording is over, but until then, right now, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Bye. Touchdown at O'Hare, blue and orange on.